0: Señor, gracias por este día. Gracias por tu misericordia. Yo quiero pedirte por el trabajo que nos has dado, Señor. Como samaritanos que tú puedes. I would just encourage anyone listening, if you think of my dear Bolivia, uh, to lift up her people in prayer and ask God to to heal and, and provide for their needs. Amo, Señor, y te te bendigo, te alabo esta mañana en el nombre de Jesús. Amén.
1: Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and today we wanna take you to the front lines of Bolivia. Almost 12 years ago, Samaritan's Purse responded to major flooding there, and after that response, we established a country office. Now Samaritan's Purse has two bases of operation in Bolivia and over 60 staff members, and this year has been incredibly challenging in the country. So last October, Bolivia had presidential elections, and they turned out to be
2: uh, fraudulent elections that led to a widespread civil unrest. There were a number of deaths and and injuries. And and the result of those elections, firstly, it was really a a divided country. It really turned people against each other and created a lot of tension. And so they were already dealing with with that when, obviously, at the start of 2020, uh, COVID struck. And it hit Bolivia particularly bad. They, they have a very poor health system. And they were just unable to cope with the crisis. Uh, Bolivia currently has the third highest death per 100,000 in, in the whole world as mm. a result of COVID. And so uh, the disasters looking
1: back over the past year have been, have been many. The challenges are tough. This beautiful country is experiencing major devastation and compounded crisis our teams on the ground are adding new programs and shifting their focus to bring hope and healing to those who are suffering. I had the opportunity to speak with Grace Wright, a field and teams communication program coordinator. She painted a picture of what it's like in Bolivia right now. So I have Grace Wright with me on the phone and Grace serves in our country office in Bolivia. You're just a local, you know, and you love, you love these people. And so, um, I love the way that God calls people. So, thank you for serving. And um, so, can you talk to me about Bolivia and um, and the field office there? Um, you know, within South America, what all does Samaritans First do? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So here in Bolivia, we actually have two separate field offices. We first came to Bolivia, um, what, almost 12 years ago now because of some flooding that happened in the Beni region. So that is on the eastern side of the country. So Bolivia is such a beautiful, diverse country. On the eastern side, like I mentioned, in, in the Beni department, you've got like major jungle, Amazon basin, hot, humid. I'm there now and I'm like sweating all day. It's so hot, but it's beautiful, tropical. And then on the other side of the country in on the, you know, Western side, we've got the Andes Mountains. The city of La Paz is just this gorgeous mountains everywhere. It's a lot cooler. It's one of the highest altitude cities in the world, the highest altitude airport in the world. So just think like cold, dry, um, Anyway, so yeah, so our both of our offices run the regular programming that has, that ranges from uh, livestock programs, agriculture programs, ministry, wash, health, um, and yeah, kind of depending on the context of those two different areas of the country, um, our projects obviously cater to the needs of the, of the people who are at.
1: So you get painted a great picture, but I imagine COVID-19 has... Kind of changed um, and shifted and made you have to pivot on both sides. Can you talk to me about how you guys have had to adapt? So
0: Bolivia, uh, I would say, first across the country, we went into a pretty quick quarantine. Both offices have in common, and and both you know people all over the country have in common is that there's so many people that work off of and live off of their daily wages, mm. and when COVID hit and quarantine happened, uh, it, I mean people just were 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 lacking basic items to survive off of, basically. I mean, you're talking like your daily food, rations, etc. So uh, again, just some major neat basic needs for people who uh, couldn't get out to work because we were on a complete lockdown, as in we could not leave our homes except for once a, once a week to be able to buy groceries. And if you can't work and you live off your daily wages, you, you can't yeah, going to a grocery store isn't going to be helpful um, just
1: because yeah, you don't have any,
0: any resources to, to pay for, for the food for your family. So
1: So um, so I was able to watch um, some of your ministry videos, you know, just like you said, uh, distributing food and just to people's homes. What is that like? Because I'm sure most of your ministry people come to you. What is it like? coming to them and coming to their home and maybe people that might not have heard of Samaritan's Purse before?
0: There's an urgency, right? We're all on quarantine. And when you don't have, uh, you know, there's this major need around you. And obviously, as Samaritans, our first reaction is, to let's let's try and meet that need. Um, And, you know, the physical need, the spiritual need. So getting to see the families and even just uh, with a smile, being able to say, "We know that this will get you through the next few weeks, and we want you to know that that um, yeah, we care about you, and the Lord cares about you." And um, you know, I could you could see just kind of the desperation in some of their faces, and um, some people just expressing how hard it's been. Some people, others, um, you're really not having the words to say to be like, who are you coming to give me this bag of food so my kids can eat? And, you know, um, so it's obviously a really, really special thing to be able to do that. Um, I had one woman who just, you know, I think she just needed someone to tell kind of her situation too and get some off of her chest and she just shared how they couldn't pay for you know their the their light bill their electricity bill they couldn't pay for their water they're they're just trying to make ends meet and she i remember i mean she had several kids and i can't imagine what what a mom might feel like and not being able to feed their kids she just i remember her her going through you know i just I cry to God at night saying, what am I going to get my kids to eat the next day? And so obviously it's not us in and of ourselves taking this food, but being able to be that instrument to say like, the Lord loves you and he sees your need and and we just want to help you and, and get to pray for someone in a time where they're, where, I mean, everyone's hurting and everyone's suffering to a certain extent um, is obviously a, a really cool and beautiful thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I can imagine, you know, just allowing them to tell you, you know, some of their their desires and their needs. Um, sometimes God wants us to say it out loud, you know, so yeah. that yeah, and and, the, and you guys can tell them God sees you, you know, God yeah. sent us here, you know, <laughs> and He He saw your needs and He prepared, you know, provided. Um, but prayerfully, you know, these these ministry opportunities um, gives the ultimate, you know, ministry of Jesus Christ, you know, because sure. yes. We want to help them physically, but ultimately we want to share the the hope of Jesus with them. One of the main ways Samaritan's Purse responds is through the local church. David McCall, the country director for Bolivia, explains how this allows our teams to accurately assess the greatest needs and to equip the church to stay connected long after Samaritan's Purse leaves.
2: Most of our work, we, we partner with the church. That's what we want to do. That's what's sustainable. That's what has an impact. We believe that the church is God's tool for Uh, for bringing salvation uh, through Christ and so this time though with the COVID crisis we wanted to reach those who were most in need and we we were able to do partnerships with over 100 churches uh, in Trinidad, in La Paz and they were able to help us get what people needed to them and so we did food projects, we did hygiene kits uh, and the church really was our partner in that and so we gave them the, the items they needed, we equipped them, and together we went out and reached the people. And the encouraging thing there is that we see that uh, all those people we served during the new project and during this time still have that connection to the church, and they know that they need help in the future, uh, they can go to the church, and then we hope that's really going to just help the church increase their witness in those areas.
0: And they're the ones that are there to be able to follow up with these families and continue to kind of feed us that information of there's still a need here. There's, you know, this family is doing okay now and their congregation is really following up. So obviously in response to COVID, one of our first things, especially, um, I'm especially thinking of of an area outside of La Paz, and we kind of immediately got in touch with them uh, to figure out what the greatest needs are, and that's how we even identify that food was just a thing people needed. Um, So I think uh, beyond that, uh, we also were able to kind of train some of these local pastors and continue investing in them. They took the Sharing Hope in Time of Crisis course. We got to train them in that so that, again, they can continue to kind of share Mm. uh, the hope of Christ in in a time that's really, really difficult. So, uh, you know, the twofold, being able to invest, continue to invest in in the local church partners, but also um, kind of partner with them and use them and yeah, just their position in ministry to help us reach the people who, who have the greatest needs.
1: With the help of these church partnerships, we've been able to add eight new projects on top of the already 10 existing projects to meet the greatest needs in the country.
0: So I'm just getting to the office for the day. My husband just dropped me off on our motorcycle on our walk-in. We are obviously taking all the precautions necessary here at the office. So those that don't have to come in, Um, are working from home and those of us that do. We've got some lockers set up out here. We keep the office nice and safe for everyone. So today we have a full day of training ahead. I'm working with a wonderful team to implement an IPC project that is an infection prevention and control project which essentially involves our staff training medical professionals in how to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and really any other infectious disease they may encounter during their medical career. So we are teaching them things like how to don and doff their protective equipment properly, the proper patient flow and triage process, how to set up an isolation area. Uh, Really, our hope is to equip the health staff with the knowledge they need to keep themselves safe, their families safe, and be able to continue serving during
1: this time of great needs. Our senior programs manager, Gilvin Ramos, talked to us about how the projects make an eternal impact.
3: Okay, so um, we've had two sorts of responses. One, which was um, a response regarding uh, the health system. We worked by donating uh, protective equipment to our partner, doctors, and hospitals. And then we also donated, we're also donating protective personal equipment to La Paz, the, the whole health, public health system, and to them. And we're not only donating the equipment, but we're also training the healthcare staff in, in the appropriate use of the equipment, and also in infection, protection, and control, which is a, a very interesting curriculum because it applies not only for COVID-19, but for any other sort of disease. But we also worked with the people that were most at need during the, the quarantine. We've had a pretty long quarantine in Bolivia. It's been like for six months already. And people haven't been able to, to work. And at first, it was really, really rigid so people couldn't even leave their houses. So of course, we have a lot of a lot of people that depend on, on their daily wages. They, they they don't work on a day, they don't get paid. So we partnered with churches, with local churches, and identified the most of most the population. And we delivered food baskets, and we also delivered um, hygiene supplies, especially in um, sanitizers, face masks, face shields. And we also, um, along with the churches, preached the gospel, presented the gospel, and also made a strong link and a strong connection between the church and the family. We found this family that had, like, nine people, nine family members, was their father, the mother, six children, and uh, a grand, a grandma that was living with them. The father was working in the rural area when the quarantine came, and he wasn't able to come back home. They were in, in a lot of trouble. And the pastor from a nearby local church have already talked to the church members, and church members weren't so wealthy either, but they were trying to support these families because they had nothing to eat. So um, when we got there, we got there, with two food baskets because of the family size, and it was like, and for them it was really, really shocking. And we didn't only get to deliver the, the baskets, so but we also preached the gospel to them. They were not Christian. And they were able to hear the word of God. And they, they all uh, just gave their life to Jesus. They all accepted Jesus as their own Savior. And you could see the, their faces, you know. It was, it was like a, very different from the moment we arrived to the moment we left. There was a big change.
1: It's so apparent that although our teams are working hard on the ground to meet these needs, They recognize that they couldn't do it without the Lord. And I love the way that they acknowledge that they had to be dependent on God every day. But they also recognize and are grateful and thankful for all that He's done. And so I want to read Psalm 107, five through nine. They were hungry and thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to the city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. The people of Bolivia and our teams there need our prayers. And here are some specific requests that their staff has given us.
0: In general, the Bolivian people are just obviously praying for healing, obviously praying for um, them to just in this state of, of hurting, really turn and look to the Lord for for that healing, and look for look to Him as as their great comforter, and, and find the Lord in in that process. I would say uh, that goes hand in hand, and in praying for our staff as they do want to, you know, figure out how to serve and minister to people who are hurting and, and share the hope of Christ in in the midst of that, and um a lot of our staff even obviously we've all of us who've been here have walked through the hard times. <laughs> so it's um, yeah I would pray for that spiritual vitality, um, perseverance, praying that our staff um, one thing that I often pray for our staff, especially our staff that's constantly in the field is that it just the Lord would give them a new, a new word, a new um, something to share with beneficiaries and not kind of have the same old, same old thing in their head, but that the Lord would really move them um, in their own quiet times and in their times of prayer or, or just in in the way they're doing ministry to have a new and fresh word. And God would really speak through us to, uh, in the right moment, at the right time, meet someone's needs um, and be able to have the opportunity to share Share the hope of Christ, right? And um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely cover our uh, ask that we cover our staff and, and uh, their safety, as obviously they are also going out um, and want to just stay, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, but yeah, just have the opportunities and and the the yeah move of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to share um, with the people as as they're hurting.
2: Yeah, so I think two two big things that can, uh, that need prayer. The first one is uh, for the safety of our staff as they continue serving in, in the midst of this ongoing crisis. Uh, they, you know, they're on, they're on the front lines and, uh, it's, it's a hard time. You know, people are trying to, uh, stay at home and stay safe. That's the general feeling in this time, but our staff are out there every week uh, serving the beneficiaries and just prayers for them that they would feel encouraged, that they would feel refreshed, that they would feel uh, God's presence in, in this time as they share his message of hope and of salvation. And, and so we'd really appreciate prayers for them. And then secondly, I would really ask for prayers for the upcoming presidential elections. Uh, they will be in October, the 18th of October, And obviously following last year, when there was a lot of uh, conflict and civil unrest, uh, there's a lot of tension and nerves around these upcoming elections, so we pray. Uh, And ask for prayers for just peaceful elections, that uh, the person that God wants to be in charge would be chosen, and that there wouldn't be any violence or fighting, but it would be a peaceful process.
1: The coronavirus has been devastating. And one thing I've learned is that it's given us all a more global perspective. I hope that throughout the week, you'll continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Bolivia. Thanks again for tuning in today. I hope you were challenged as I was hearing stories and voices from our Bolivia office. As always, if you'd like to know more or see pictures of our work, go to our show notes or to samaritanspurse.org. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.